And I'm going to let them giddy up. Do I just do the introduction? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do the intro. I have to do the introduction real quick. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Husky Talk. We are less than one month away from the start of the Iditarod. Our guest today is a two-time finisher of the Iditarod and a school teacher in Alaska. Please welcome to the show, Angie Taggart. Hello, Angie. Welcome. Hello. To- Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Um. Yeah. So I grew up here in Ketchikan, Alaska. Um, um, I moved here when I was five years old. And I always loved dogs and animals in general. And um, I, once I decided to become a teacher, um, I went out to a, my first year of teaching. I went out to an Eskimo village or a, you pick Eskimo village. And there, what I did was I ended up going to the Iditarod in Nome, the finishing um, in Nome. And there I became, I fell in love with the dogs and just the whole lifestyle of mushing dogs. And so I asked around and found out that I could run sled dogs with Didi Jonro. And so I started my whole career of running dogs with Didi Jonro. And then it took me about, um, it took me 10 years with a lot of work to get back to where I needed to um, run my first race in 2011. So you were the first person to catch a, catch a can to finish the Iditarod. Can you tell us about the support you received from the community and how it felt to represent your town? Yeah, Ketchikan is a really caring community. Um, they're always there supporting people when they're in need. And people were super excited to see that somebody from um, our town and Southeast Alaska in general, were, were they were going to go up and run the, the race. And a lot of people down here, you know, we have not a lot of snow compared to up north. And so, um, you know, it was kind of hard for some people to wrap their minds around somebody going up and doing a race like this. And um, once they realized that I was going to have to move north to train for the Iditarod, um, they, they put together so many fundraisers. Um, I actually ended up raising about $80,000 here in Ketchikan with different businesses and people donating things and having spaghetti feeds and um, salmon feeds and any kind of feed you could think about um, just to raise money for me to um, complete those races. You were talking about being a dog handler earlier. <laughs> you were talking about being a dog handler handler easily. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Take two. <laughs> okay. You were talking about being a dog handler earlier. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so I ended up working for Didi John Rowe and it was, it was an amazing experience. Um, I was a, I was a puppy trainer. So I had, um, 20, about 20, 25 puppies that I had to harness break and train in order to go into the larger team. And, um, it's probably one of the hardest things to do because they're all over, you know, as a puppy, they're just everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, just like younger kids are running around and yelling and all this stuff. And, um, I had a really good time with that though. And it taught me to work really hard because it was a lot of work to get them to run straight ahead. A lot of times they would be, you know, looking back at their partner or playing around. They were just messing around all the time. So um, training puppies was a lot of work, but it was, it was very um, rewarding in the end to see those dogs racing and I did a rod a few years later. So yeah. it's pretty cool. 
Balancing the demands of training for the Iditarod along with being a teacher must have been quite a challenge. Can you share how you manage your time effectively? Yeah, um, so I did leave my teaching job um, for a year to, to, to do the race because I just couldn't see how I could do it all alone without having that time available, you know, all day long. Um, I know there are people that actually go to work and then after work they come and they run their dogs and things like that. But I knew moving away from Ketchikan and being in a different place, um, it was just going to be easier for me to not be working at that time and just focusing at the, on the dogs. I had no other um, people helping me train. So it was just myself and the dogs. So I really had to focus solely on that. It sounds like you ran the Iditarod to raise money for breast cancer awareness. Can you share more about the inspiration behind this? Yeah. So my second Iditarod that I ran, um, my mom at the time was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so I thought, wow, that'd be a, an amazing way to get the awareness out there and to raise money for breast cancer um, and helping others that are going through this fight to, to win that. And she did. She made it through it. So it was a really really awesome thing to be able to do for her and just for anybody that was going through breast cancer. Along with that, can you share with us more memorial, memorable moments from your Iditarod races that stand out to you? Uh, some more memorable um, things, I mean, on the race? Mm -hmm. Yes. During the race? Mm -hmm. um, I would have to say that overall, you know, I was really worried about going into a lot of the like the Dalzell Gorge and um, the burn where there's not a lot of snow, you know, you just hear horror stories about people <laughs> having a lot of issues through those places. And overall, um, both the races, they were pretty mild, or at least I thought they were pretty mild. Um, I didn't have any major problems except for on the Yukon River, which sounds kind of odd, um, but the Yukon River is so vast. It's so wide open at some point, it's like a mile wide. And it's just flat. There's nothing there, no trees, nothing to look at. It's pretty boring. But what happened when we were on the, on the um, river was there was a headwind. There was like a 20, 30 mile per hour headwind blowing at us. And coming from Willow, where I trained my dogs, um, we didn't really have wind there. And so I thought my race was going to end on, on the Yukon River because I could not find a leader out of my eight leaders of my, out of my 16 dogs on my team. I couldn't find a leader that would go up in front and lead into this wind. And so I was just constantly switching dogs back and forth and they would keep turning the whole team back around going the opposite way until I finally got found my, my one leader Carmack. He was nine years old and he actually led the whole team, um, through that wind. So that was probably memorable, but kind of worrisome because I thought for sure, this is how it's all going to end. I'm not going to be able to finish because my dogs won't go forward anymore into this wind. So another memorable thing um, I would have to say is meeting all the really awesome and amazing people in all the villages, um, all the volunteers that were working officials. I mean, everybody was amazing. So I can see how this race, you know, without all of that support, um, that it just wouldn't be the same. So it was just a really eye-opening experience to see how wonderful people came together and worked as a team to make it all possible. Yeah. 
What advice would you give to someone who is interested in competing in the Iditarod or pursuing any challenging goals? Um, well, for sure is to, you know, follow your dreams. Um, it might take you, it took me 10 years to get to where I wanted, you know, to where I was able to complete it. Um, but just keep after it and surround yourself with people that are going to help you and encourage your, sorry, encourage you. Um, because that's what happened for me is, um, there was a lady that helped me through the whole thing. When doors kept shutting, she kept saying, Nope, you're going to do this. You're going to run the Iditarod someday. And like I said, it took 10 years, but if you have people that are there that believe in you and support you, then you're going to be able to continue and hopefully reach that goal. Um, and if you were to run Iditarod, I would just say, think about spending a lot of money <laughs> because it's very expensive. Um, but it's so rewarding to be there with your with your dogs and being out out in the middle of nowhere where you get to see beautiful ter- you know beautiful terrain. It's just an eye opening experience. So yeah, just save a lot of money and uh, know that you're going to be working really hard. As a teacher, how have your experience in the Iditarod influenced your approach to education, or do you incorporate those experiences into your classroom? Yeah, I I brought the Iditarod back into the classroom before I ran it, you know, as part of my classroom, but now that, you know, I've experienced it from both sides as a volunteer and being in it, um, you know, I'm I'm really able to bring it to life in the classroom. Um, I have some five minute videos, four or five minute videos that CNN had put together for me to after my first race. And so I can bring that back into the classroom and then incorporate it into different, um, like into science and to social studies and the math, just kind of all pull it together into our writing and things like that. So it's really cool when you have all that background knowledge. And I mean, even if you read about it, if you can do it too, but just being you know, have been there on both sides of it. Um, it just really gives me, I think, a little edge to be able to to really dive into it and really make it come to life for the kiddos. What do your kids think of you doing the I did a rod? <laughs> it was kind of funny because I have all over my classroom. There's I did a rod posters and pictures of some of the things I did in the I did a rod and. The other day when we started talking about things and, and watching some of the videos, the kids were like, that's you in the video? Like, you're running the Iditarod? <laughs> so, um, yeah, they were, a lot of them, they knew I'd run the Iditarod, but they didn't really understand what that meant, I guess, because they're like, you're the lady in the video that's talking right now? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of funny to hear that. But um, yeah, they're pretty excited and and they get to go home and share that with their families. And they said, my parents were really excited to hear that you did a ride. So it's pretty cute. Are you still involved with the Iditarod? Um, I am. Yeah. I, um, haven't been able to go up to the Iditarod physically in Anchorage for a few years. And this year is the first year I get to go up after I think about five or six years. Um, but I'm also, um, working with the education department, and we help decide who the next teacher on the trail is going to be. So that's been really, really exciting and fun to do. I've done that for the past three years. So that's been really neat to still have a little, kind of a little say in it and kind of just being involved still with the Iditarod in that aspect. Mm-hmm.
Do you have any future plans to race in the Iditarod again? You know, I've tossed it around. Um, I have a five-year-old daughter, so she's, she's still pretty young, but I have about four more years till I'm going to retire from teaching and I have thought about doing it again. So yeah, I really would love to do it again. If it worked out, you know, it'd have to kind of align, um, again, having enough money to do that and seeing where my daughter is at school and things like that. But yeah, it's something I would love to do again because I was on the two times I ran it, I ran the Southern trail. So I never got to see the Northern trail. So I think it'd be really cool to be able to go back and, and see what it's like the other way. Finally, we have the Iditarod Fast Five. We have five different Iditarod topics we'd like you to try to answer as fast as you can. <laughs> okay. Favorite musher? Uh, let's see. Brent Sass. Favorite Iditarod book? Um, Danger the Dog Yard Cat. Favorite checkpoint? I would say Unilocleat. Favorite volunteer? Um, oh, geez. I don't know. It's been a while. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry. That's okay. okay. Favorite former champion? Um, I would have to say I, th I like Ryan Reddington. Yeah. Thank you for um, thank you so much for being on our show, Angie. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, Angie. Um, I'll probably get it posted out tomorrow and send you a link and everything. Do you kind of cut things out and stuff like that? Do you make it a little better? Make yeah. Better. Take the one part out. I said about, es I don't know why I said Eskimo. I don't know. Okay, what I will. I'll take it out. You got you. Yeah. I, I just was like, oh my gosh, I don't right. know. Oh, I'm just making this worse. <laughs> it was just getting okay. started there. No worries. Yep. And All right, I appreciate you, uh, that. You guys have a awesome day. We'll see you soon. Yeah, see you soon. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Thanks. Bye. We're going to leave it on and do the uh, out, out thing oh, for okay. a second. There was nothing better than my Euler. It's okay. No, my, what was the thing? Memor memorable? Um, Is that the it one? It was memor memorable. Mem I don't memorable. Okay, so. No, 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 no. What, what, what? I don't, I'm not reporting her. I just, <laughs> there was no recording. Okay. So. You did, you made a mistake. <laughs> She said SMO and it's not like proper. It's it's um it's it's like a derogatory way. It's not they used to call people Eskimos, but so it's uh, like inappropriate. They, yeah, they prefer to be called by Inuit. It used to be a derogatory term, and so say so she probably said she didn't mean to she didn't that's just how she it's not like how that, it used that's to how it used to be, but now it's it's not politically correct. So yeah, so it's like not her fault. Okay, that makes sense. So Special thanks to our guest, Angie Taggart, for being on our show this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please stop by iTunes and leave us a review. It helps with our ratings. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or people you would like to hear on the show, email us at huskytalk1 at gmail.com. If we hear from you or you leave a review, we will read it on the show. We would like to also give credit to Hobo Jim for our intro song, the Iterad Trail song, and our outro song, Reddington's Run. Good job. It's I did it wrong. It's all right. It sounds it's good. It this is your first time. It's first timer here. You did great.